Welcome to Ready to Go with Pastor Jackie. I am your host, Reverend Dr. Jacqueline Reagan, pastor of Run With Endurance Ministry, founder of Encouraging the Prophetic Woman, and founder of the Northeast Ohio Symposium on D-Man Project Research. Uh, we're glad that you join us today, and we're continuing our discussion on uh, vocational choices for women in ministry. And I have with me my sister, my dear friend, uh, Reverend Dr. Crystal Walker, who's going to talk to us a little about uh, starting a church. So Dr. Walker, introduce yourself. Thank you for coming and tell us a little bit about who you are. Okay, I am Dr. Crystal Walker. I'm the assistant pastor of New Mount Zion Baptist Church, where the pastor is Reverend Dr. William H. Myers. And I'm also the uh, Vice President and Chief Operating Officer for the McCreary Center for African American Religious Studies. All right, you're a native Clearner? Yes, I am. One of the few of us left, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like everybody Everybody's I'm leaving is a transplant. <laughs> right. Like you're from another place. So we're, we're toughing it out. Right. Because we, we love our state, we love our city. So welcome, Dr. Walker. Thank you. Now, I understand a few years ago you embarked on an adventure to start a church from scratch. So tell us how they got started, the call. Um, why were you motivated to do that and then how you got started? Okay. Um, I felt compelled by God to um, start a church on the west side, um, which ended up being a sister church of New Mount Zion Baptist Church. So I did. It was called Christ Devotional Baptist Church. I started it in a storefront building. And of course, you're walking through that journey and trying to get confirmation from God each step of the way. Um, it was a really nice building um, that I was able to get. Uh, New Mount Zion, they didn't give me any members. I started with um, five, it was five of us um, from my family. Um, my husband at the time, my uh, three children, and myself. And basically what I did was I went around knocking on doors in the neighborhood. Oh, that, that's ambitious. <laughs> And also uh, friends and family that I knew that did not have a church home, people that I met in a grocery store, people that I met in a you know clothing store, anywhere that I went, I evangelized people, um, which I did previously for New Mount Zion. But because I live on the west side, it was a lot easier for them to come and for me to pick them up to um, come to my church on the west side. So um, that's pretty much how I got started. Okay. And so how did that go for you? you when did you uh, um, have your first service? We had our first service. Um, of course, it was on a Sunday. I don't remember the exact date. Um, you know, the, the once we got all of our furniture, um, uh, New Mount Zion Baptist Church, they did donate um, some furniture. We already had music equipment and so forth. But I just, you know, invited a bunch of people and people actually came. So I believe there probably was about um, maybe 25 people that initially came um, to the first service. Um, the other thing was I had Bible study, of course, on um, Wednesday nights. And with it being a storefront and it was in the summertime, I always left the door open. So um one of the exciting things that took place with our church was 
with it being on a corner and it was a busy corner. People was always walking by as they heard music and they would just come in and sit down. Yeah, wonderful. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> it was a good evangelistic tool and I actually got a lot of members that way. So, so how many members did you eventually um, to grow to? Um, within three, let me see, within three to six months, um, we had about 70 something people. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> it was. And, and the interesting thing was most of the people um, that we had were unchurched, had never really been raised in a church before. And again, you know, this neighborhood, there was there there were churches in that neighborhood, but they didn't evangelize that neighborhood. So it gave me an opportunity to, you know, really pull in quite a few people. And again, people that were walking, you know, just past the church and coming in. So um, we had a lot of um, people that were. Yeah, the type of people that we actually had coming in was very interesting. We had a lot of unchurched people that kept, most of the people that actually joined were unchurched, had never been to church before or didn't have any type of uh, church background. Um, and we, you know, had drug dealers joining, alcoholics, oh, wow. <laughs> people that were on drugs and well, that's some people that were coming off. And then, of course, as they were hearing the word, they were, you know, um, getting saved, getting convicted, and wanting to, you know, change their life. Wow. Now, that's amazing. And those are the people we want. And it's amazing that you would say that there were churches that were already in the area, but they weren't evangelizing. Because it sounds like that the church was full of church folks, but it's, right. it wasn't full of folks who um, Jesus told us to go out and recruit, exactly. right? Exactly. And so you, you must have that... Um, uh, a gift of evangelism for people to just come and, and be comfortable. And I know you personally, so I know you're very friendly. So I know that, you know, you welcomed them when they came in. So yes. tell us a little bit about some of the high points of that, um, adventure. Um, some of the high points in terms of, um, you know, having the people come in and even having the church was, um, to see lives change. And um, not only having the lives change that, but, you know, they were bringing their family, bringing their friends, <laughs> which is how we ended up getting so many people. And I think because they saw that, um, you know, we cared and I mean, all of us came from some type of background. We weren't afraid to talk about it. And we used that as an evangelistic tool, um, not on purpose, just, you know, being real with people. Um, so those were some of the highlights. The other thing was, um, my service was exactly one hour long. And so, um, a number of pastors came to my church because they could not believe we got everything in announcements, the singing, everything, everything was in, in one hour yeah. and got a good message in, you know, in that time frame. So I had a number of pastors coming to my church before they went to church. And I was <laughs> even great. able to finish up church. And if I wanted to come back to New Mount Zion and visit, I did. Oh. And, um, but the other thing that I did along with that is, you know, how you have snacks and everything after church or before church. Well, we had it after church. So there was usually like an hour to two hour fellowship taking place after church. <laughs> 
and it was almost where you had to you know kind of kick the people and boot them out of That's there because nice. they didn't want to leave yeah. and yeah. you know you yeah. just you know talked and fellowshiped and talked about some of the you know issues and things that you wanted to um start having at the church but um along with that some of the low points which was um uh i thought i thought this through but i probably didn't think it through enough when you're starting a church, you really have to have a good core group of people that are solid in their Christianity, solid in their belief and solid in ministry and in their call. And each one of those are totally different. And the reason why I say that is because we, there was so much need in our church. I didn't have um, a solid um people that were in Christ long enough to where they can carry a ministry out. So we wanted to, you know, have, um, Sunday school classes. Well, with just me and my family, that was difficult to have different Sunday school classes. And then when you have a lot of hats, so, um, you know, there were a few people that came that were, that were churched and so forth. And, um, but it's still, it, it just was not enough to meet the needs of the people. You know, I started a, um, well, wanted to start a extensive AA group there, but I wanted to make sure that somebody that was solid at my church was there and there was no one, you know, I wanted to have, um, a drug program there and just different classes or homeless ministry, a shelter, you know, a, a food pantry there and so forth. And it, it just was not enough people. And even the ones that were coming that was, um, uh, that gave their life over to Christ, they can volunteer, but they're not strong enough to deal with the different personalities that were coming in because they were changing themselves. So that was, that was extremely frustrating it was a huge burden on my heart and it was, it was, um, it was something that I, I, I thought about, but I didn't think about thoroughly. I thought maybe I could, you know, bring them in and start change, you know, helping them go through that transition of change and transformation and building them up to be strong. But, and they were doing that, but it wasn't fast enough, okay. which I think is something a lot of preachers, you know, kind of go through anyway. Okay. And you know what that is, is is good for you to to say that because someone who's thinking about jumping in that water, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. You can think about um, the core group that you need to get started because oftentimes family is not enough. And um, even when you have a core group, it's difficult because right. some people find out, well, maybe this is not my gift or right. <laughs> maybe this is not where I want to be anyway. It's so area. it's good that you would bring that up and... I did read a couple of books about starting churches, and that is something they recommend that you, you have a, a core group that's solid that can can help you out. But it's it's amazing to me that you you grew so quickly, and it's kind of hard to have infrastructure when you grow right. that fast, right? right? Yes. <laughs> so even if you had a core group, you still would have seventy people on right. that that fast. Um, you still would have had a challenge. But what do you, what do you think are some of the gifts that uh, an evangelist that's starting a church needs needs to have? What do you think that's most uh, important through spiritual gifts or through personality traits that's that's an absolute must 
uh, to undertake this kind of endeavor? Um, I think that um, people who are taking on um, that area of evangelism, they really need to be gifted in um, discerning different personalities and understanding that everybody's not going to come in the same way. And when people come in, they have different issues. So you have to speak to their issue differently in order to bring them in. Also that, you know, love and kindness and that, you know, um, being able to meet the people where they are and also to, you know, be able to lead people to Christ where they are. And, um, you know, and that's, it's, it's more to it than just telling them, you know, do you believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior and so forth? Right. You know, you have to work on people to make sure that they understand exactly what it is that they're doing yes. and what Christ can do for them. Okay. And um, so um, I would say that those, you know, and, and, and for them to also know um, the word of God, yes. you know, you don't have to know the whole entire Bible to lead somebody to Christ, right. but you need to know enough because people are going to start asking questions about what it is that you're telling them that God can do for them and, and so forth. And they also need to be able to uh, not be afraid and have, and also have a testimony themselves okay. that they can carry um, um, through that ministry of evangelism. Okay. And, and, and it makes a whole lot of sense um, uh, for a person who becomes a new pastor to keep studying because yes, they're going to, eventually ask you I mean even we've been preaching a long time and every once in a while we still have to go back and reread something it's like "Eh, I don't think that's what it says but you know let's be lifelong learners anyway Uh, and so that is excellent advice and I'm sure there is someone out there who's contemplating if this is um, something they should do and if if you heard um, the Lord said to move in this area, you really shouldn't be afraid. Um, because for one, I mean, you're, you're a female pastor, you're a female minister. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for you to have that kind of explosive growth, your, your, uh, personality or, and your gender and your, none of that mattered. I mean, it just took it right off anyway. So let that not be an excuse, right? right, To, to falter on what the Lord has called you to do. So I'm glad that you're, you're a witness and you're a living example of if the Lord sends you go and don't worry about it. Right. right. Okay. Good, good. So was it, was there anything else that surprised you as you became, um, accustomed to the people were there any surprises I mean I heard someone say the other day uh, and I think it was you that said you know preaching every single Sunday Uh, uh, (laughs) was uh, a lot harder (laughs) you know to come every single Sunday right right yeah well you know the the thing that um I try to say this so it's it's not doesn't sound too bad but I'm just not ready to go to jail yet be a prisoner in that way to have to come up with a message every every single Sunday every Sunday you don't get off you got to preach every Sunday you know I even structured mine where I was helping up and coming preachers that didn't get opportunities to preach um to you know come and preach for me at least once a month and that kind of gave you know I'm 
a professor. So I, you know, I like to teach people. So I try to get people opportunities that didn't have opportunities. And at the same time, it was like killing two birds with one stone. Right. I didn't have to preach every Sunday. Right, right, <laughs> so, right, exactly. But yeah, that was, um, that was, you know, you do what you have to do, but I didn't like that. I didn't like to be um, bound and not be free to, you know, not have that kind of weight on my shoulders. And it's it's something, it it really is something to think about uh, because once the people are used to hearing your voice, they want to hear your voice. You know, they're in love with you and they're in love with your voice. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when they find out you have somebody preaching that Sunday, they don't even show up. Right, right, right. I I used to be one of those people back in the day. (laughs) You know, exactly. yeah, Dr. Moss wasn't preaching. Well, who's preaching? Right. It's like, mm, this is my Sunday to visit somebody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I know now that my pastor, you know, okay, the shoe's right. on the other foot. I see, exactly. ah, that wasn't the right thing to do. Yeah. I could have gone and been supportive and lend my voice to the, right. to the, serv- to the worship service. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's exactly how people are. Right. And, you know, you can't take lightly being a bond servant. When you, when you say, as Paul said, you are a bond servant. You you're in there. You're in there, and you got to show up when no one shows up. The weather's bad. You still showing up. That's right. But to the glory of God, because yes. I mean, I would not trade oh, yeah. uh, my preaching experience. Though you do need a break. Yes. Though you do need yeah. to uh, to go off and, and have retreat and to, you know, to be rejuvenated. And yes, it is something to think about. People often think, you know, about the, uh, glamorous looking stuff that we deal with. They don't think about that. This is actually work and you're working on a Sunday. You know, (laughs) my daughter asked me, (laughs) for sure. (laughs) You're working for peanuts, you know, but that's when you know you really love it because right. you're, you're doing it not for the money. And it's so funny. My daughter asked me yesterday. She said, um, you know, what's wrong with you? I said, I'm tired. I work on Sunday, right? right? <laughs> <laughs> this is a job. Exactly. You have the option to show up, but I have to show up all the time. But, you know, to the glory of God. Yes. So um, was this something that, that's, that you never thought you'd end up doing was – I mean, could you could you as at a younger age see yourself starting a church, or is this something you just never thought for a minute that you know that that you you would do that or that you, there would be an endeavor that you would enjoy? Well, actually, um, when I was um, just from being young, I always love absolutely love helping people, and so it was something for me that I just kind of grew into. It was just. The Lord took me through stages. I think if he would have showed me the whole picture early on, I probably would have ran off of planet Earth. All of us. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it just kind of gradually took place in stages. And as he was uh, gradually taking me through stages, just looking back on everything hindsight, um, I could see where he was training me the whole entire time. And so it was where I was prepared. I was ready. And not that I knew everything or could do everything because, you know, a lot is on the job training as well. When you start taking on the burdens of people, um, you don't know that burden until you get into that position. You can look at another pastor and you be, you know, you're not a pastor. And it's like, well, why don't you do this or why don't you do that? It's a lot different when you're sitting in that seat. You'll do you'll do things a whole lot different. So it was after probably um uh, maybe 20 years 
before I actually started pastoring, I knew I was going to pastor. And, you know, it was something that was on my heart to do. And then, of course, at a certain point, the Lord uh, spoke to me and told me that one day you're going to be pastoring. And so it it was just a matter of time. So I was just trying to learn as much as I could Mm -hmm. um, so I could be prepared um, for that. Wonderful. Wonderful. Now, do you feel that um, that endeavor affected you spiritually? And if so, you know, in what way did you did you see some serious growth in you? for that time or gradual, what, what, um, how, how did it affect you? Did it affect you? And, and, and so how, um, it, it affected me, um, in a number of different ways. The first thing was, um, I was always conscious anyway of what I did and I wanted to live for Christ, but it made me even more conscious because you have people that are looking to you a totally different way. So, um, the way that I was in public, the way that I spoke, the things I, you know, let go into my ear gate, um, the things that I talked about, um, it made me want to be more conscious. I was conscious anyway, but I was even more conscious. And because people are following you, they're look, they're watching you at all times. And so you, you have to, you, you can be real. I was a real person and told them, you know, what my faults were and watch out for this and this might happen and so forth. But, um, you know, this is the position that God called me to and, but I'm still a sinner saved by grace, just like everybody else. And God is working on me. And so, um, that was uh, one way that it changed me. The other way that it changed me being in that seat, I saw ministry differently than not being in that seat. I saw the needs differently. I felt the burdens of the people a lot differently because, you know, when you're over a ministry um, uh, in a church that you're working with that particular group in that ministry, when you're a pastor, you're working with everybody. And so um, when you hear somebody come to you and say that they have a need of this and a need of that, that burden, the pastor, he pushes it down on the leaders, but that burden is still there on you to make sure that 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 need is met. Now, when it's somebody that's over a ministry, they're only dealing with those people in that ministry. And so um, that also gave me a different uh, viewpoint. And it also gave me a different viewpoint of um, wanting to make sure that I looked at different types of ministries and then came up with my own. I didn't want to um, mimic anybody because you got a different group of people like the people that I had. It was pretty much most of that church was unchurched. So how do you grow a people up? That was like a slow dragging, rewarding because you see lives change. But it was so much stuff that I wanted to do and I couldn't do because I didn't have the people to do it. And so... um, you know, it just had me to reflect and it also um, changed me in this way that I, I'm able to um, minister to a lot of pastors and help a lot of pastors okay. with their ministry um, nice. because I had both, um, you know, church and unchurch, but I mainly had unchurch. Okay. And sometimes even having those that are churched is like having <laughs> somebody that's unchurched, you know, because yeah, the, yeah, the, the church is a hospital. <laughs> And it's like, this thing really seriously yeah. is a hospital. Yes, that's true. Yeah, so. That is so true. That is so true. It, it is a hospital, and that's the way we have to see it. And then we won't be so frustrated right. when people 
act in a way that is unchristian or when they move a little slower than we That's think, right. you know, That's just right. just like our kids. Our kids don't all mature at the same pace. Right. And so, you know, we have to have some grace for and everybody. Patience. Yes. And, for e- and use it, not just have it. Wait exactly. a minute. We have to <laughs> We have to actually use it too. Right. And so, you know, it could be that really was what the Lord wanted you to learn Mm -hmm. is how to be a mentor to pastors. Yes. And so, you know, you got to find out what it's like to be in that fire yourself. Right. And who knows what else you'll be able to do because you are also a professor. Yes. And so who knows what else you'll be able to do in the future um, because of that experience. So what kind of advice would you have? And I mean, what you've said so far, has been really good. Mm-hmm. And you, you talked about uh, needing some help, you mm-hmm. know, from people who are seasoned. You talked about being able to um, speak to all men, yes, you know, which yes. is exactly what Jesus wanted. You right. know, he said, if I'll be lifted up, you know, yes, I'll, draw I'll draw all, all men. men. Right. All so men. we can't pick and choose about, yes. you know, who we call, who we, who That's we right. evangelize. Right. And so what, is there any other advice that you have for someone who's just sitting on that fence who might be thinking, nah, I've, I've seen what pastors go through. That's not for me. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, who might've been told by someone, you know, I don't believe in women preachers, you know, (laughs) (laughs) know, what, what kind of encouragement would you have for someone who's sitting on the fence? Um, just, well, the, the first thing, um, is, the thing about uh, women pastors or women preachers that the one thing that you have to hold on to is God spoke to you because yes. you got to have something to stand on. You can't stand on because your friend says so and your mama says so because, you know, friends, yes. mamas, daddies, they call people, too. <laughs> so but if you got um, the 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 a call from God, you know, you got to be sure about that call because at times nobody else is going to believe you. But as long as you got that assurance that God did call me, that's the one thing that you have to stand on. You could be a martyr and stand on that. Um, the other thing is um, uh, one thing that I would do differently in starting a church is I would start with a small core group of people that are um, seasoned and I would make sure that they understood my vision, my mission, And I would instill that in them so that anybody that they were bringing in or anybody that they were training, we were speak, we were all speaking the same language, no matter who you went to. And so, um, and I would make sure that they understood how important evangelism is because, you know, we're looking for the ones that's sick and that need to be saved. There's a lot of saved folks in the church that can come to your church that you can get from somebody else's church. And, you know, I really don't want them. (laughs) <laughs> unless they come in to help right. unless they come in to help right. when right. when you right. can get that fresh babe off the street mm-hmm. <laughs> you know or fresh babe from out of the home and they had not been in a church or they're not in a church they're more dedicated to you yes. your body and um they can grow with you mm-hmm. and i mean the the pastoring is extremely rewarding yes. it's it's almost like a bittersweet yes something going on but it's more sweet than bitter there's so many rewards behind it Mm -hmm. and um knowing that you're fulfilling your purpose and in your lane and where you're supposed to be 
that feels good. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is that um, no matter how it looks, you know, God will supply everything that you need to pastor. Yes. God yes. will supply everything that all of the, if, you, if you're being called to start a church, mm -hmm. if God is calling you to start a church, he already has the things there in place. Mm -hmm. We just have to learn to think outside of the box oh, of what, of the way that we've yes. been churched or how we think yes. things ought to be. Yes. I'm looking for things that, you know, if God said that I should do this, I'm looking all over the place. Yes. <laughs> you know, yes. if, it, if the door yes. closed here, then I'm looking somewhere else where the yes. door is open and I'm going to bust open some doors, you know, that's cracked because it's open. So, um, you know, I'm a firm believer that everything's is, everything is God. Everything belongs to God. So when I go to places looking for stuff, furniture or anything, I'm like, I go in there with the mindset, this is God's. That's it. So he told me, come in here and get this. <laughs> I'm saying this to myself. So I have you, to you go with that approach. Yeah. Yeah. And if I can't get it, I'm like, okay, well, maybe it's not this store. Maybe it's right. the next place. Right. And just right. keep moving. And, and the other thing too is to um, settle in with other um pastors that you can talk to because in getting started we definitely don't know some things and don't know everything and so and so we want to make sure that we um uh get around people that can help mentor us and and encourage us when we're down or we can get advice from and and so forth so that's what i would say okay that's excellent advice um you know, I wish someone had told me some of the things that you're saying uh, before I got started because I, I dove in too. And I was on the other end of the spectrum where I had about a dozen of seasoned Christians. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we did start a church, but the, the problem with that is that sometimes uh, you just church folks preaching to church folks, you yes. know, because you start a church and people get comfortable. Yes. You know, yes. they don't want to go out and evangelize, right. you know, well, what's wrong with, you know, we like being a small congregation. Right. It's like, no, right. Jesus didn't say that. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> we can have a small home base, yeah. but we need to go out and we need to preach the gospel, yes. you know, and, and, you know, um, discipleship is, is my gift. I mean, I am good at that, but it's like, okay, where are the rest of the people that have been called that, 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 uh, we, we have gone out to get and yes. we're discipling them. So we don't just form our own little country club in right. here, you right. know? So I appreciate you saying that. And, uh, also too, your, your family got a chance to watch you in action. Uh, that's a good thing too. Cause you know, one of them boys is a preacher. So, you oh, know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and them watching and seeing what you're going right. through when the time comes, yes. they'll know, you know, because they were part of that experience with you, you know, they'll be a lot more, um, ready, you know, uh, yes. they, they'll know what to expect. And so that's good. They got a chance to, to see that. And who knows, you know, that might have been your assignment right. is to, you know, turn out three preachers. So right, right. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Um, now, one of them is one of my sons, the oldest one. He is an associate minister and okay. he's also a chaplain. Okay. And the um, middle one, he came to me and told me about his call. Oh. And but he said. I don't want to do it right now. <laughs> so he said, I see everything that you and the pastor do. And I don't want to do that right now. So 
I don't push him. I don't right. rush him. Right. You know, I just try to live a certain way in front of him right. so he can see what it, it what it does involve. Yes. And the youngest one, um, uh, he he has a call on his life. I don't tell him. Mm-hmm. I don't press him about it or anything like that. When it's time for him to, you know, answer that call or when God is ready to speak to him, he will. Yeah. Yep. So. Yep. And that's good. And, and your little grandbaby too. You can see it. How is she six? How old is she? Yeah, six. She's six. You can see it already. I mean, yes. she, and she doesn't mind being a center of attention. You right. know, she doesn't mind talking and singing. She wrote her own music, that's didn't right. she? That is remarkable. Well, Dr. Uh, Walker, it has been uh, my pleasure to, to do this with you. Um, and for you to f- share information with those who listen to the podcast. And I want to say, you know, I'm going to continue to pray, pray God's blessings on you and the ministry. You. And you, you always have a lot going on. And uh, to keep you, you lifted up, you know, because yes. there's still other folks who are out there waiting for, you know, you to come by yes. so mm-hmm. that you can uh, speak, you know, Jesus and speak, speak um, success in Jesus Christ into their life. Yes. So thank you so much thank you for, uh, for being on here. Yeah. And taking time out of your busy day. And for those of you who are listening, this might be for you. This might be for you. Um, and for the, the next episode, I'm going to try to bring on my friend, Marge Bryan, who is an armor bearer because some people are called yes. to be an armor bearer. It's a very, very important job, very important job. And you have to have certain gifts and certain maturity uh, to be there lifting up Moses' hand, oh, yeah. <laughs> arms. <laughs> because without the armor bearers, boy, you know, a lot of, a lot of uh, pastors are discouraged. Yes. And so you need somebody like that in your life who are going to be there for you and say, okay, you know, you take a break. I'll take over for you for a minute or don't be discouraged. You know, right. stop fretting about that. Why are you talking to people like that? <laughs> yes. You know, and pastor, you shouldn't have said that, you know, because <laughs> we need that too. And so thanks so much. And for now, I want to say, woman of God, you are blessed and we'll talk to you next time.